If you care to join me in the reading this morning, um, it's quite short. First Peter 5, verse 8 and 9. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Good morning. It's so good to see everyone here. We almost always have like a full auditorium here. It's really, really encouraging. This morning, I would like to start by giving you two numbers on the screen. Two numbers. Four and two. Look at these numbers, and then to the best of your ability, try to answer this question. What's the solution? Some people would say, oh, it's, you know, two. Some people would say six. Some people would say eight. And then yet a few would say 16. Well, what do you think is the best response to this question? I think the best response to this question would be this. What's the problem? Right? All too often, I, maybe some of you are like me, give solutions to things for which I don't even know what the problem is at the first place. And this is true in many facets of our lives today. Many of us have our hurts, our, ha- our hang-ups. We have trials and difficulties in life. We try so very hard to solve them to the best of our ability, but then we fall short. Why? Because these problems, these things keep coming back up. And again, why? Because we fail to underscore what the real problem is. So our solutions to them fall short of the root of our difficulties. And so they keep resurfacing. This morning, I offer that our number one problem today is sin. So this morning, I would like us to start with a three-lesson sermon series that will enable us, that will help us to overcome this huge burden of sin by simply understanding and recognizing that there is one solution that God has given us, forgiveness. But this morning, what I would like to do is, um, I guess I, I need to show you the title of the series first overcome the burden of sin and the gift of forgiveness. And for our first lesson this morning, I guess we're going to have three weeks on this, right? This week, next week, and the week after that. But today, I would like to start us off by reminding us the number one reason why sin is our number one problem. We will not have a fighting chance to overcome our burden of sin if we do not recognize what I believe is the major reason why sin is so prevalent in our society and it's so pervasive in our lives today. And this morning, I want to talk to you 
about the devil's schemes. He is the reason why we struggle so much. See, in the Bible, he is likened to a roaring lion that is, uh, that is prowling around seeking to eat someone. And in 1 Peter 5 verse 8, we are told by Peter that because of this, we need to be alert and of sober mind. And also, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, the Apostle Paul reminds us that the devil, Satan, will not have a hold of us. He will not take advantage of us if we are aware of his schemes. So that's why today, this is a very important subject that we need to talk about. The devil's schemes. So, let's start. The first thing that I want to tell you about what the, the, the first scheme that the devil has on us is that he deceives us. His deception. So, in the book of 2 Corinthians, Paul writes for a second time to the church in Corinth in chapter 11, verse 14. He tells us that Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Okay, think about it in your mind. When I ask you the question, what is the the usual depiction of Satan in media, in movies or in books or what have you. What comes in your mind? Yeah, it's the red guy, right? The red guy with horns and with a pitchfork in his hand. Kind of like this. I know the kids are here, so I chose like a really like PG sort of uh, picture there. Not like one of those really scary Satan devil pictures. He looks like that. But this particular verse that Paul tell, in, where Paul tells us, he doesn't appear to us like that. He appears to us looking so good, like an angel of light. And he does the exact same thing with sin. He doesn't dangle sin in front of us that says, Hey guy, hey Jay, what I have in my hand is sin. It's really bad looking, it's ugly, but I want you to do it. He doesn't do it that way. He goes, Jay. And he covers it with something good, right? He says, what I have here is really good. And I need, you, you need to try this. It's really, it's great. That's what he does. That's how he deceives us. And his big lie is that sin will make us happy and there are no bad consequences. So before we try it, he tempts us. He tells us, Jay, you need to, you need to really do this thing. He even challenges us. I bet you can't. I bet you can't really do it. You know, not just us like that. Reminds me of. You remember Frito Lay's, and they have this ad campaign. Remember their slogan? Do you guys remember? It's this: "Bet you can't eat just one." Right? He nudges, he challenges us. Oh, you, you can't really do that. And then we do it because we're challenged. That's how he tempts us. That's how he deceives us. And then when we're embroiled in that particular sin already, he does another psychological campaign on us. He says, well, you can't quit now. Can't stop now. You know how good it is. And then it reminds me again of another chip commercial. Remember Pringles? What does Pringles say? I know you guys are thinking it. Once you pop, you can't stop. The devil knows what he's doing. Right? Selena's like laughing there. He knows what he's doing. 
he knows how to deceive us. His deception is so sophisticated that he goes a step further above that. He gives us things that are not really sin. It's actually good, inherently good. And he makes us sin using that, which is really good. That's why Paul, in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23, says, You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Satan would take things that are good, like our jobs. God gives, God gives us our jobs, our homes, our cars, our hobbies, our relationships. And then he turns it to something that will take us away from Jesus, from God, from the church. And then it starts not being good for us. And it starts, it stops becoming beneficial to us. That is how deceiving he is. And he also uses society to deceive us. Tell us, Jay, everybody's doing it. Why don't you do it? It's okay. It's been, you know, the church over there is doing it. Why don't you do it? It's okay. That is how he deceives us. And it, it is so deceptive that in our minds, yeah, it's, it's probably correct. And we see that in media today. Even children's movies. Sin has crept into every facet of our lives today that it's, we don't even think that it's sin anymore. How many of you guys like the movie Frozen? I love that movie. Frozen. Even Doug likes that movie. Right? My favorite character is that, yeah, my favorite character is that, is the, is the Scandinavian guy. That's, oh, yeah, let me just, you know, that guy. But what I'm, it's, if you haven't seen it, I'm sorry, there's a spoiler here. I'm going to tell you what the story is about. I'm going to tell you what the ending is. Okay? It's about two sisters, I think Elsa and Anna. Okay? And Anna was the girl who got engaged on the first day that she met this guy. And this guy, I think his name's Hans, is that correct? Ended up being the bad guy. Okay? So at the end, this is what happened. I'm going to show you what happened. This is what happened. So Hans came out of the water. He's the bad guy now. Everybody knows about it. He's the bad guy. So the other good guy, Christoph, which is this guy right here, he says, I'm, I'm, yeah, that's it. I'm going to get this guy. But then Anna says, whoa, whoa, no, no, wait, let me handle this. Let me do this. I'll, I'll take care of this. So he go, she goes over to uh, Hans and says, yeah, yeah, what do you have to say? Like, sort of, right? And then Hans says, I'm not the bad guy. The bad guy is your sister. She froze everything, including you. Go get the, go get the bad person. And she goes, okay, let me go get her. But then what does she do? right in the kisser <laughs> and she goes o- he goes overboard this is supposed to be a DVD we have this DVD at home I love this movie I love the special features as well this is supposed to be a DVD that when you look in the back it says G for general so that means my kids can go to the DVD shelf take this put this in the DVD player and watch it all by their lonesome without me there because it's not PG right I don't need, they don't need parental guidance for this. Now, I'm not telling you this so that you will shun Disney forever or Frozen. I am telling you this because I want you to be aware. 
that whatever good is out there, Satan has his way of making it look bad. That I want us to be aware, for our sake and for our children's sake, that we need to watch out for these things. Because revenge is not for us. It's for him. Actually, in Canadian law, there's a law against that. Punching somebody in the face. It is not a good thing. And you know what complicates matters? The next scene in that movie. Do you guys remember it? This is the next scene in that particular movie. Did you guys see what they're doing there? They were applauding what Anna just did. Yeah! Go get him! He deserved it! You were made to do that! See, when we get our morality and our belief in our faith system in movies, it's never good. Okay? But again, let's be careful. Indeed, we will never get right with God until we acknowledge wrong. And get this second part. We will never acknowledge wrong properly until we admit that it is sin. It is not my part to tell you that you're, you know, that for the most part you're sinning. We ourselves, our individual selves, will have to understand that and reconcile that with us and God. That whatever that is that we're doing, we're probably sinning. It's not my, it's not my place to tell you that. But we need to admit that ourselves, individual, as individuals. Now, what are we to do with the deception that Satan has in front of us? What are we going to do now? Well, Hebrews 3, verse 13. We are told to encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Very deceiving sin. But we need to encourage one another. You know what that entails? Encouraging one another so that we will actually be aware of what we are doing, of Satan's deceptions. What it entails is us being a family. It entails each and every one of us not just going to church. It entails us being involved in each other's lives. Because if I am just, for example, if I just, all I said to Amir is, hey, how's it going on a Sunday morning? Hey, yeah, the weather is nice. How can I know what he's struggling with? How can we be comfortable enough with each other that he will confide in me that he's struggling with some, something and then I can encourage him so that he is not hardened by sin's deceitfulness? It's not going to happen. So I encourage all of us get to know let's get to know each other better and it's not work it's fun it's amazing to get to know each other as we are a family of god satan deceives us the second thing that uh, i want to talk to you about that's part of the devil's schemes is the fact that the devil distracts us see our objective is to focus our minds and our hearts and our eyes on jesus but Satan, what he plans on doing is he wants to distract us away from Jesus onto things that are of this world. That's what he wants to do. 
in the scriptures, there is an excellent story about this, about, this, about distraction that we can all learn from. In Luke 10, 39, we read, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So in this verse, there's this picture in our minds that says, Hey, Jesus, like, I have this picture in my mind that there's a house. Jesus is in it, and she, uh, he visits uh, two sisters, and one of them is sitting by his feet, waiting to listen to him, right? That's Mary. But we don't know where Martha is. Where's Martha in all this? In verse 40 of Luke 10, we find out where Martha is. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. This sounds like my voice, you know. It's like my voice. Like implicating the other, you know. Martha was doing something that's, remember, the, the, the deception thing? That is inherently good. Preparing for your guests is good. But what does Satan do? Right? He makes it so that it becomes to us a distraction and not good for a relationship with him. And what does Martha do? She implicates her sister saying, Jesus, like telling on Jesus. You see what my, tell my sister to help me because we're serving you. But what does Jesus say in all this in verse 41? Look, look at what Jesus says. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. In fact, or indeed only one, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Brothers and sisters, we need to zone in on that one thing that we need. And in Matthew 6, 31 to 33, Jesus himself tells us exactly what that one thing is. In this particular passage, we read, Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Jesus tells us, God knows what you need. And you know what? The things in life that you need, house, shelter, work, food, money, whatever that is that you need to sustain yourselves here. God knows that you need it. And this is the priority of the people outside. The world wants this. This is their reason for being in this world. They want their stuff. They want their jobs. They want their things. But what does Jesus say? He says, focus on that one thing. In the form of the righteousness and the kingdom of God. And what does he promise? What does Jesus promise us? He promises that all these things that we need will be given to us. So why are we like blinding ourselves right like this, whereas we need to like look at the big picture? We don't have to do that. We don't have to carry that burden. We only need to focus on Jesus, on God, His righteousness, and His kingdom. See, I have some statistics here for you. I prepared for you. 
to really underscore the, the, the idea that it is so easy for us to be distracted today in our everyday lives. Okay, let's start. How many hours do you think an average Canadian work each day? Probably thinking, oh, you're a preacher. You probably work like one hour a day. <laughs> Sean, is that true? No, it's not true. About two hours, actually. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay, this is from StatScan. Seven hours and 20 minutes. The normal Canadian works every day. It's higher in Alberta, actually. In Alberta, it's about eight, close to nine hours. I don't know why they work so hard there, but that's, according to StatScan, that's, 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 that's correct. Now, next. How many hours do you think an average Canadian watch TV each day? Ah, this is tough, eh? You're probably thinking about yourself. How many, how many hours do I watch TV each day? I'm an average guy. So, uh, four hours and 20 minutes. That's in 2013, though. Okay, just be mindful of that. How many hours do you think an average Canadian spend on their cell phones? <laughs> you guys are probably going, where is he going with this? This is not comfortable. Okay? Three hours and 40 minutes. But again, this is in March 2012. So, you know how we can watch TV now with our cell phones? And sometimes we can work with our cell phones? So, it's muddled in there somewhere. And finally... How many hours does an average Canadian sleep in one day? You're probably thinking you're a preacher, so probably 12 hours a day. No. Uh, 6.9 hours. About 7 hours. And again, in Alberta, it's less because they work more there. How much do you think that sliver of time do we have left for other things? Close to 2 hours. I know we can do all these at the same time or concurrently and things like that. But be that as it may, can you see how we can say, I have no time? It is so easy for us to, under, to, to really distract ourselves from the big picture of our work in His kingdom. Indeed, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. I know this hits close to home to many of us. But let's be encouraged today. Let's be encouraged today. No more, Satan. No more distractions. Only God. So what are we to do? What are we to do? Hebrews again. The writer of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 2. Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. How many of you have, have canoed or have boated before? Many of us, right? I have. Have you guys drifted before on, in the water? Yeah? What does it take for you to drift in the water? What do you need to do? Nothing. You do not need to do anything to drift away. You put your paddles in and you just drift away right away. That is how easy for our, it is for us to be distracted by Satan. But what does the Hebrew writer tell us today? He tells us to give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard. He tells us, be in the Word. Be in the Scriptures. Know your Bible. 
Why? Because we do not want to drift away. We do not want to be distracted. See, today marks the start of our educational programs for all ages, for, for all groups. And I encourage all of us to go to that. These programs do not create its own, right? Your brothers and sisters here put that together for us. And we don't let make kids memorize verses like that. I, that's amazing. I don't know if my brain can handle that. Because they want, we want to give them something to do just for the sake of having them do something. It's for their own good. And I suggest we, we, we also ourselves, the, the big guys, the adults, memorize verses as well. Because it will help us not to drift away. The one last thing that I want to talk to you about, I know it's uh, past 11, but l- let me close with this one. The last thing that the devil does to us is that he discourages us. Because the devil knows that a discouraged Christian is an immobilized threat. A diffused gospel bomb. And a silenced ambassador for Christ. The devil knows how to discourage us. He is that niggling voice of doubt, whispering in the back of her ear, saying, Oh, Jay, you will never recover from your failure. You will never amount to anything. Nobody can help you. Not the church, not Jesus, not God, not His Word. But I stand here in front of you today to tell you that that is not true. That is not true. That does not hold water. Do not let the fog of our failures, our trials, and our anxieties cloud our vision towards Jesus and the hope that we have in his kingdom. Have you guys been in a fog before? Do you guys remember, when's the last time you were in a dense... Is is Winnipeg uh, a fog city? Is there a lot of fog here? Edmondson, there's a lot of fog in Edmondson. But... In a fog that's thick, like this one right here, it's hard to see like, or, like 10 feet in every direction, right? They say that uh, fog is really interesting because do you know how, many, how much glass or how, much, how many glasses of water that would hold, that fog would hold? Like a fog of a- an acre of fog that's 100 feet deep. How much water do you think is in there? I think I gave up the answer. That much water. You know how it, how it works? It's the little droplets of water, numbering in the hundreds of billions, they are dispersed in that area, and then it blocks our vision. Yes, this happens when Christians allow the fog of Satan's deception distraction and discouragement to hinder our joy in our hearts. It happens. Let us not let the fog of our anxieties and troubles and tribulations snatch that joy away from us. Let us live in the sunshine of Jesus' promises to us. I have one last verse to uh, to, to provide to you today, to encourage you this morning. 
It is a promise by God to Joshua. And the principle still holds true to us today. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Brothers and sisters and visitors or guests, if you're here this morning and you are sick and tired of being deceived, distracted, or discouraged, Jesus is our answer. Put him on as your Lord and Savior today in the waters of baptism and be done with all of this. If we can help you out as well with anything in your spiritual lives, please ask any of the elders or myself or the ministers or the person who invited you here this morning. Thank you for your time.